You're listening to the New Century Multiverse. Arlington Remastered. Chapter 2 The Engineers. Three weeks previously. From the Journal of Major Frank Butler, District of Columbia, February 1st, 1883. After breakfast, I polished my boots to a mirror shine, dressed in my full blues, and touched a gloved hand to the telegraph message from Annie. It said simply, Weather dismal. Welcome worse. Stop. No shots fired, but much negotiation along the way. Stop. Rest of unit and haze in good spirits, however. Stop. Missing you awful bad. Stop. Can't wait till I'm home. Stop. I don't like hanging around a quiet, empty house, and eventually checking my pocket watch every few minutes prompted me to proceed out early. Stepping through my front door and into the already bustling streets of the District of Columbia, I proceeded to the nearby stables to retrieve Bridget, and was soon riding alongside the electric trams, heading west the ten short miles over the river from Bethesda towards Langley. We passed through the markets where Washington's citizens were clutching their credit notes and waiting for their share of the produce. The financial district, south of where I rode, was now repurposed as additional housing, making me feel guilty about the empty domicile I had just left. It may be small, but it's comfortable. Certainly it would accommodate those unable to work anywhere other than their own homes. But I've already been told a major has earned the right to privacy and a measure of solace, whether he likes it or not. As we trotted along, I tipped my hat to those that did likewise, and did my level best to entirely ignore those who whispered and looked less friendly. Most importantly, though, I took my time, and allowed those clearly in a hurry to go before me. I'm never this good a timekeeper when my wife is close by. Eventually, I left the main city behind and pitched up at Langley, still early. A bright-eyed young lady in similarly immaculate blues greeted me on the steps as another soldier led my horse away to the stables. Corporal? Sir? I'm Major Butler. I've been summoned here, I believe by Director Arlington himself. Of course, sir. I've been sent to meet you. You're early. Yes, I cleared my morning for this and then ended up- At a loose end? I understand, sir. Right this way. Have you toured our military R&D complex previously? Is this where y'all make all of the newfangled gadgets? That's correct, sir. Then no, I most certainly haven't. Do we have time to remedy that? Oh, I'd say it's downright essential. You enjoy working here, Corporal? Higgins, sir. And it's both an honor and a pleasure. Down this way? Now, on the left and right, you'll see the weapons labs. Lab A is all about honing and augmenting the weapons we already have at our disposal, to fit the specialist requirements of certain types of cartographer scout. You know, your melee experts, your explosive experts, your sharpshooters. That directed at me... I'll confess I'm something of a fan of your vaunted abilities, sir. Word gets around among the troops. Either way, that department can tune an accurate gun until it can bullseye a human heart at 500 yards. I can do that with a regular gun. And your wife, Captain Oakley? She can break hearts without even trying. What about Lab B? New weapons, new ways of taking out the Wendigo, and anyone else that presents a threat. Way Arlington sees it. If they progress at an accelerated rate, we may not need every man, woman, and child in America to join us. But, as you might imagine, it's pretty dangerous in there. Hence the sealed door and the armored shielding on the walls here. 
Something goes very wrong, and it can present a threat to every man, woman, and child in America. I'll walk on this side of you. And this is our communications and electric swing? The Vox tube came from here, didn't it? And the light bulb. That's right, sir. So much darker outside Washington, wouldn't you say? It is at that. I don't think I've experienced pitch blackness since I arrived last fall. Higgins, I'll be honest. All this new tech, I'm a kid in a candy store here. I need some focus. What's your favorite department? Let's go there. Well, if I'm honest, it would be the steam craft. Follow me. Private? Ma'am? Please have Director Arlington informed that Major Butler has arrived. Yes, ma'am. We'll be in the playpen. On a trip to Brooklyn in November 61, aged 13, I had gone off with several other boys through the winding streets to the northernmost neighborhood shipyard of Greenpoint to steal a glimpse of the construction of the USS Monitor. It was to be a great powerhouse of a submersible ironclad, a ship that traveled below the waterline. The Monitor was created to stop a Confederate beast named Virginia that was laying waste to the North's regular wooden ships as it made its way inexorably upriver to the capital. This excited me beyond measure to hear about, and I pictured the epic clash in the Potomac with cannon firing through the billowing smoke and these great titans of the water vying for dominance. So it was with no undue leap of my heart when the doorway into the military prototypes hangar opened for me this morning and my eyes met not one, but three astonishing creations that exceeded in every way my estimation of those previous feats of engineering. Their large wheels immediately marked them as landcraft, and while they shared some features, the design ethic was markedly different across the three. The first was as solid as a rock, covered with spiked steel plates, bristling with mean-looking cannon, and mounted upon enormous linked treads. The second was considerably smaller and manifestly lighter, constructed of wood, painted white with copper fittings and a sharp prow. The third was of a size between these two, paneled in black lacquered wood, and trimmed with brass. This one, more than the other two, resembled the great ocean-faring ships of old, and to hammer this home, a falcon with its wings splayed formed a figurehead below the cockpit window. I stood in awe for some moments. Everything I had witnessed of reunified America had been about practicality and repurposing what we had available, yet here stood three splendid monuments to form and function in varying degrees. All around the hangar were cables and spotlights, workbenches strewn with tools and blueprints. The hum of electricity filled the air. Near eclipsing the throbbing cacophony with their raised words, two men were fussing close by the middle craft. The round-faced, loud fellow with the hungry eyes I recognized immediately from his public appearances as Thomas Edison. The other gentleman was thin and gaunt, with a deadly serious gaze and a mustache to rival my own. For God's sakes, man, you're intolerable! We must share all of our findings! I don't have time to go through all these again. But if you possess any kind of data that would aid me, it is your obligation as a man of science to vouch it, in the interests of the greater good. I think you have regurgitated enough information vouched in trust and confidence all over what you call your work. How can I be expected to improve on this near perfection if you and I don't have total and absolute transparency? I do not know. You could try applying that famous brain of yours. They did not seem to notice me, and as Corporal Higgins led me down the steps to approach these craft, I thought twice about disturbing them whilst they were in their obviously agitated state. Is this how they work? 
I try not to disturb them. Well, I'm going to need someone to explain these wheeled wonders to me. Preferably a personage of a less fraught disposition at this moment. Take a look under that one. I peered around and under the third craft with the avian design at the front, making out the prone form of a figure underneath. It was entirely still. I wondered, for a twisted moment, whether the two arguing fellows had not noticed their co-worker had in fact expired during their quarreling, and perhaps had done so a day or two beforehand. But all I could smell was a heady cocktail of steel, oil, lacquer, alcohol, and the metallic aftertaste of something else besides, so the chances of decomposition were low, and this fellow was more likely catching forty winks. So as not to embarrass him, I knelt and tapped his knee. The figure twitched and extricated, blinking into the light. I was confronted by a girl, shaking herself back to alertness and adjusting her goggles around wide, dark eyes. Howdy. Up late last night? No. No. I was just fiddling with the brake lines again. I need to be able to stop her in a pinch without rolling forward. How long have you been under there? What time is it? Just gone ten. Morning or evening? Morning. Then I've been under there four hours. That's some extensive work. No, the job only took me a few minutes. I was just looking at the cables. I go sleepy like that sometimes. I see. Why don't you get those fellows to come rouse you from your trance? Oh, uh, they're, they're too busy doing what they do. It's better like this. Sometimes I think of pretty good things while I'm sleeping awake. I solve problems better that way, too. I can understand that. I get a little hypnotized riding all day myself. Spend that time mostly drawing maps in my head and on paper. I'm Major Frank Butler, by the way. Pleased to meet you. Harry. I've come to learn about these here steamcraft. Can you teach me a thing or two? Oh, you want Mr. Edison for that. He's, He's better with the talking than I am. The words won't... The words won't behave for me in the same way. Hey there. Hey there. Uh, Mr. Edison? Yes, may I help you, sir? Say all that again. What you said. I'm Major Frank Butler. I've come to learn about these here steamcraft for teaching to the cartographers. Ah, splendid, Major. It's an honor to have you in my little workshop. This is my assistant, Mr. Tesla. I'm his colleague, not his assistant. Yes, my Serbian companion likes to think of himself as an equal, and he's really very bright. But make no mistake, I am the one who runs this department. Oh, it seems you've met our little helper, too. Harry the Helper. That's what I call you, isn't it, girl? You do, sir. Welcome to the world of incredible new science, Major Butler. You are standing before three marvels of the modern age. All designed by myself. We designed one each, based on pooled research. Yes, indeed, and as you can see here, this great monstrosity behind me is the brainchild of Nikola. At this, Mr. Tesla ascended the steps up to the entry hatch of the largest of the vehicles. He turned, his thin form framed in the doorway, and beckoned me over to examine his work. I have stayed in houses which would appear diminutive with this steam craft resting beside them. Big houses. The interior was cool and dark, and best resembled an army barracks with benches lined in the sides to seat many troops. Tesla stood at the rear of the room, next to a weighty installation of machinery lighting up a furnace at the base. How do these steam craft move? I mean, what powers them? 
Steam. That may have been the dumbest question I've ever asked. It is like a train. You have seen how they work, yes? Sure. I can see the pistons starting to pump already. But this fire is not enough, and far too much energy is burned off and wasted. We conserve everything in this array of batteries. Squeeze every ounce from the coal. And these batteries power... Watch closely. He pulled a crank, and I gave a start as an enormous coil above the furnace fired up and the steam craft was flooded with crackling blue light. The metal behemoth roared into life around us, humming with force that veered between threatening and overwhelming. A maelstrom of lightning beat against the walls of its cage, throwing spasmodic shadows and reflecting in the deep-set gray eyes of its creator. Resistant to bullets and fire, capable of crushing a wagon like matchwood, and protecting a unit of soldiers as they journey through the roughest of terrain and into the heart of danger. I call her... Steelborn. Sir, I am at a loss for words. Mind if I cut in, gentlemen? Don't mean to spoil a touching moment, but there's lots to see here today. Now, Major Butler, yes, I'm sure to the newcomer, this one is mightily impressive. But as you can see, we have a weight issue at present, making it difficult to get up above 10 miles per hour without conserving energy becoming a factor. I went the other way with mine. Got rid of all this alloy plating, dropped the steam engine, and had her constructed out of lightweight wood. If they can't catch you, then you'll ever be one step ahead. That's what I always say. He took my hand and yanked me out of the mouth of Steelborn and into his craft. It was a great deal pokier in there and resembled a gilded carriage with silk-lined cushions and maybe room for four people to sit. The pilot sits up here, see? And he pulls these gears to bring the speed up. We've had up to 40 at full pelt. Why, she could cross the great state of Virginia in less than a day. And if she tips over, what then, Eddie? Why, then you tip her back onto her wheels. It's not a problem, Nikki. Don't make an issue of it. So if not steam, what's she powered by? That battery array back there. Yes, sir, you are looking at the world's first 100% electric land vehicle. He threw a switch, and the machine buzzed to life, rattling with vibration. I stepped back out, somewhat alarmed as the power cables around the outside began to glow. Spearhead here is a veritable miracle of design. He can outrun horses. It is not shielded. This craft is vulnerable. One direct shot to those batteries, and- Well, who's gonna catch me, Nikki? You with your big berth over there? You couldn't catch syphilis in that. Why would I want to catch syphilis in that? Um... Major Butler, my colleague is more interested in selling these machines than he is in building them. Now, Nicola is right about one thing, which is that of all of us, I am the one who can see the grander application of all this tech. Why, if the right contract could be drafted up, this could be available for the military first, and then everyone else. Way I see it, we need a fleet of 20. Fifty! A hundred! Racing out across America to spread the word about electric power. Those folks out there scrabbling around in the dark will come flocking like moths to a flame. That would get our job done pretty fast. How long do the batteries last? Eh. I always love this moment. 
About 30 minutes, but when we have recharging stations at set points throughout America, we... <laughs> Mr. Edison, <laughs> you really should put some gloves on if you're going to... Who cares about speed if you're dead in the road and have to get horses to drag you to the nearest recharging station? Steelborn can do 100 miles with a full fuel carriage. But it would take you so long, you may as well just ride in on your steed in a full medieval suit of armor. Honestly, who cares about a tank so heavy that no amount of horses would be able to pull it? The cable, sir. Watch your hands. Tessa, you shut yourself up in there and think all your thoughts while the rest of us are working on... Jumping Jesus Christ! I did warn you. They're both wonderful for their distinct and intended jobs, gentlemen. You should be very pleased with yourselves. <laughs> I am. He is. Now shall we turn ourselves to this third work of genius? Did you build this one, miss? Yeah, yes. She's my baby, but I mean... Ah, yes, the jack-of-all-trades. Good, sir. Do come back to me when you're ready to talk about mass production and how we can all become astonishingly rich. She's better than the pair of them put together, right? She sure is. Let me show you. She's fast. Not as fast as Spearhead, but pretty fast. And she's stronger, too. Look here. We got these ceramic plates threaded throughout the whole interior. Each one is coated with a chemical resin I call stone spring. It's tough and non-conductive, and can stop a bullet, but way lighter than steel. Best thing for shielding. She pulled aside the hatch and disappeared inside, talking fast and gesturing faster. As I stepped up into the train carriage-sized body of the ship, I breathed deeply and was lost in admiration. While Steelborn favored utility and spearhead sumptuousness, the interior of this one was part workshop, part kitchen, part bedroom, part bunker. Every inch had been carefully crafted and loved, and there were clever, folding panels everywhere which opened out into new and different features. You can get about fifteen in here. Two people up on in the cockpit. These couches become beds, and that table stows away when we go to battle stations. No guns, but these lockable slats here slide open for snapping through, so we can bring our own aboard. Water filtration, so you can drink without getting sick. Cooling fans, so you can survive in the heat. Toughened glass on the windows with shutters for emergencies. Here, let me turn her on. She slid her hand down behind a cylindrical furnace and gently pulled at what must have been a concealed lever. The ship purred into life around us, and the resonant sound of her heart was at once far less as aggressive or as unstable as her respective brothers. Harry unlatched the grate and let me see inside. A golden fire cage played warm orange light over the hexagonally plated walls. Welcome aboard, Steamheart. Oh, Harry. She is a beauty. I've got her balanced just right. The main source is the furnace here. It's a steam engine reconfigured using Sterling's regenerative principle. That keeps the energy exchanging back and forth, although there's still some loss. It was safer that way. This is the regulator. We got heat shielding with more stone spring, so she's not too heavy and won't explode on you. And... We got the flywheel here as secondary propulsion and a speed booster, or if you want to go off-road. You keep the rear carriage well stocked with coal or wood, which you can refill along the way. She'll make every shovel full of fuel last as long as possible. 
We sat in the cockpit in two comfortable, swiveling chairs. I gazed through the glass viewing window at the hangar doors in front of us, before running my eyes over the array of dials and levers that controlled Steamheart as Harry continued to pace. There's a stable box at the back. You can keep a horse in for scouting, ensure you never get stranded, and if you run out of fuel altogether, you can hook up a full six horses to the front, so long as there's trees for the fire and water for the tank, or grass for the horses. She'll get you there. What are they going to use her for? Nothing yet. They say she can't go outside. I built her for long journeys. But really, she could be adjusted for anything. See, I got different settings here. I got I got different settings here. And we can get all kinds of output. As long as we change... See, I got different settings here, and we can get all kinds of output as long as we change... She trailed off and began caressing the wheel before her, lowering her face and speaking in a low voice. What do you want, baby? Talk to me. You got any aches I can fix? We're gonna get you nice and presentable. I won't let anybody harm you, I promise. You're my beautiful girl. You're my beautiful girl. <coughs> Miss, before I go, this has been mightily impressive. Uh, I may have to give my evaluation of what I've seen here today, so could you summarize something for me? Mr. Butler, how long have you been sitting there? Only a couple of seconds. Everything's all right, Harry. I'm so sorry. Don't be. She got up and nimbly sprang through the hatch and down the steps, pulling herself down to inspect the underside once again. No, really, Harry, it's honestly a pleasure to watch you work, and my curiosity has been piqued. I want to know what the focus of your design here is. I mean, what principle figured in your mind when you built her? Clearly the other two were strength and speed, but what's hers? Oh, that's an easy one. Above all things, Steamheart is adaptable. That's why she's my favorite. The voice was one I had not heard in weeks. I turned to see a tall, familiar figure walking down from the doorway, smartly dressed as per usual, and with a curious look on his face I'd only seen there a few times beforehand, usually at some kind of inspection of the troops or when he was laying down a complex new plan of action for his senior agents. I recognized it as pride. Director Arlington, it's a pleasure to see you down here. Again? Hello, Tom. Director. Hi, Daddy. have been listening to episode 2 of Arlington Remastered The Engineers written, edited and directed by Alexander Shaw Major Frank Butler performed by Spencer Lieb Harry and Captain Annie Oakley performed by Loretta Saylor Thomas Edison performed by Matt Wardle Nikola Tesla and Thomas Arlington performed by Alex Shaw Corporal Higgins performed by Megan Hopwood 
Private Patterson, performed by Ian Hopwood. Prospector Theme and Battle Hymn of the Republic, performed by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Many Soundscapes by Tabletop Audio. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon. Our $15 sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you too. Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Alex Outridge, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Duran Barnett, Evan Jankowski, Finbar Nicole, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Joe Gasiga, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joseph Gluck, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Mark Luksh, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco, Scott Jacob, Sarah Montgomery, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Trey Contreras, and Tom Painter. And if you don't have the money to support New Century in any capacity, there are many other things you could do to help that cost nothing but a little of your time and enthusiasm. iTunes reviews, Amazon reviews for the books, find us on Goodreads and rate us there. Talk about us on Facebook and Twitter, talk about us on your podcast, on your blog, on your YouTube channel. Anything you do that makes this series stand out from the millions of other books from aspiring newcomers and the literally dozen other podcast audiobook series. There are dozens of us. Dozens! We all know it's good stuff. Complete strangers need to be informed. That's how we grow. You're my white scarves. Go to your task. And to all our patrons, a huge thank you again. Arlington may end up being a favourite story for many of you of this series. It's different to Tiger's Eye, Secret Rooms and the Cartographer's Handbook, and Steamheart will be different again. Myself, Sharon and all of our actors look forward to hearing what you guys think of it on the School of Movies forum and the Patreon feed over the coming months. See you next week for episode 3. 